Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by none other than Beat Bama. I mean, that's what his screen name says today, but it's actually Paul Wadlington of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Paul, welcome in. I like your handle today. Uh, it is our Saturday morning morning conversation. Time to talk a little Longhorn football. Uh, the Longhorns take on Alabama later this evening at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, Longhorns currently the underdogs by seven and a half points. Uh, Paul, we're going to talk uh, basically the day of college football and what people are looking at on an hour-by-hour basis, talk of some of those games. Uh, we also want to talk a little Texas uh, as we go forward uh, as well. Uh, but I uh, appreciate you coming in and joining me again on the, the Saturday conversation. Absolutely. And before we talk about the rest of the day's slate, let's talk Texas-Bama because that is the game that everyone is going to build up to. It's going to be the biggest non-conference game in college football uh, with all due respect to Florida State LSU, that was a very entertaining game. But this is going to be the game that everyone's going to be tuned in to watch. Unless you have Spectrum in Austin, in which case I apologize uh, to you folks. Get out to a sports bar. Uh, Bobby, we've had this matchup broken down and teased apart on this channel uh, with spectacular stuff on Inside Texas. Ian Boyd wrote a really nice piece earlier in the week. Uh, I've written some stuff. Eric, I mean, everyone's just teased this apart, looked at it every which way. Uh, are there any culminating thoughts that you have this morning before Texas plays Alabama and Tuscaloosa? I really believe that it comes down to how Texas defends Jalen Milrow. I, I, the more I think about it, he's kind of the X factor in this game because – Alabama has explosive playmakers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not so much that you worry about them within the confines of the offense. Maybe they have good guys that can go deep. Jalen Milrow can run people over and run by people as a quarterback. How well does Texas manage that? Um, And so how often can Texas make him go to a second and third reads while keeping him in the pocket? Um, How often... Can, can Texas really, you know, I, look, he's going to break off a couple of 20-yard runs. That's just who he is. I mean, you couldn't stop Jalen Hurts from breaking off a couple of 20-yard runs. You could try and think you're going to do well, but I don't think anybody ever really succeeded. What they did succeed in is slowing him down, making him do something other than use his legs and get things into tight situations. So my culminating thought, Paul, is – can the Texas defense, are they stout enough in the run against the run to make Alabama do something they don't necessarily want to do? They don't want to throw intermediate passes with, with uh, Jalen Milrow up and down the field. That's not what they're going to do. They want to try to beat you up and then go over the top um, and make some first downs, shorten the game a little bit maybe. Um, if Texas can withstand that, I think Texas has a real shot at this football game so long as the Texas offense does not turn it over. Texas offense did a good job last year against an Alabama defense in not doing that, Mm -hmm. right? So don't take that for granted because it happened last year. Alabama turns people over. So those two things combined, those are my final thoughts. And and what I think is is kind of a recipe for, for victory potentially in Tuscaloosa. What, what about you? So let me test that real quick. If if Alabama's score 
has a three in front of it. Can Texas win this game? I doubt it. A two or a one? Yes. We're, we're, we're interested. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, an interesting thing, and I know people are, are trying to compare to last year to this year. We're not playing last year's Alabama. Newsflash. And I know people are saying, well, I think Texas is better than last year. And Bama's lost Bryce Young. And so, you know, that they're sort of trying to do the transitive stuff. And one thing that characterized Alabama last year, Bobby, that you struck on, and I don't think people are talking about this too much, is that Alabama finished the year last year with a negative turnover ratio. That's not something Nick Saban teams do ever. It's the first time ever, in fact, at Bama. Uh, they also were highly penalized. They were one of the most penalized teams in FBS. Uh, those two things, in my opinion, are probably going to go away for this Alabama team. Doesn't mean it has to go away for this game, though, because I think it's primary that while Texas holds onto the ball, you got to find a way to get Jalen Milrow to cough that thing up a couple of times. A forced fumble, uh, an INT, something to break as you made the comparison to Jalen Hurts. The way you beat Jalen Hurts was to turn him over. You weren't going to just stop him, or, you know, he wasn't going to have. 18 carries for 35 yards. That's not a thing, right? So what you did is you stopped them and you got key turnovers and then you you went and scored yourself. So I kind of agree with you in that respect. If if Alabama scores got a one in front of it, I got a, probably got a smile on my face. If they got a two, we got a football game. Three, unless we went to overtime and this is two OT, uh, I'm, I'm concerned about our chances. I don't see us winning a shootout. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that anybody that thinks that's going to happen is is, you know, they're they're thinking of a a Texas offense I didn't see last Saturday, a week ago. Um, and I would say this that you mentioned the turnovers. Texas can't give them short fields either, right? Um, Alabama then then all Alabama has to do is try to pound it in, and and that's that's a diff, difficult order or a tall order for a Texas defense, no matter who you're playing whenever you have an offensive line that goes as big as Alabama's does. Right. And they are, we just talked about this off air. We talked about how some Texas offensive linemen are better pass blockers than run blockers. Almost every one of Alabama's linemen are better run blockers than they are pass blockers. You agree with that? Particularly at this phase of their career, JC yes. Latham is actually a very good pass protector and a good run blocker, but Tyler Booker, he's a better run blocker. Uh, I think Caden Proctor at this stage is a better run blocker. Uh, I, I got to be honest, and maybe this is cockiness that we'll soon find out in a few hours. I like this Texas defensive line a lot. And I think they can hang with those big guys. And uh, I think they're going to be fine in that regard. They just have to mind their mind their P's and Q's and, and understand the impact of Jalen Milrow being involved in the run game, particularly as a backside constraint. I love this stuff, Paul. It's good talking to you uh, this morning. Uh, this is uh, the Saturday Conversation on Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Paul Wadlington, also known as Beat Bama today, uh, in, <laughs> in his uh, ID box there on, on the uh, screen. Uh, Paul, the 11 o'clock games we need to talk about and just briefly go over. Uh, what we want to try to do is give everybody a sense of what games are happening and when. Uh, the 11 a.m. Uh, games of note, North Carolina State, at or excuse me, Notre Dame at North Carolina State. Both teams want to know, or excuse me, Notre Dame's two and oh, I think, believe NC State one and oh. That's going to be on ABC at 11. 
Baylor hosts Utah on ESPN. Uh, Nebraska go in Nebraska and Colorado on Fox at 11. I didn't think we would be talking about that one necessarily today. And then a kind of a sneaky one is Troy, 10 and 2 Troy from a year ago, is at Kansas State uh, at, at 11 on FS1. Uh, which games of those are you really going to be trying to look at and uh, kind of pare down here, Paul? The football purist in me is supposed to say Notre Dame, NC State. But the truth is, I'm going to be watching Nebraska, Colorado. Like <laughs> everybody else. Uh, I want to see what's going to happen. And I'm going to do a little switching and do a little hate watch on Baylor, Utah, just to see how bad things have gotten in Waco. Uh, or if, they, if they're going to rally and sort of make this their homestand of, of trying to grab back their season after getting – Frankly, handily defeated by Texas State at home last week. They also lost Blake Shapin to an MCL. He may be back for the Texas game. We'll, we'll have to see. But uh, they're going to start Sawyer Robertson. Utah's coming in. I do want to add one thing. And I know everyone's projecting, like, you know, Utah on a blowout. I'll, I'll bet them up to 15 points, whatever. Hey, you know, Florida's not good and they're not well coached. So hats off to Utah for defending their home field where they do play really well. But traditionally, Utah on the road is not a, a particularly good team. And they will be without Cam Rising. You do have a week to actually game plan the actual quarterbacks that did play for them. So it wouldn't be insane for Baylor to be competitive in this game at all. Uh, that said, if Baylor gets blown out, that would be fine too. Yeah, I, I think that Utah is going to win, but I would agree with you. Don't don't go in there saying that I think Utah is going to just blow them out because Baylor laid an egg against Texas State last week. Um, Notre Dame, NC State, I think the, the Irish are going to take that one. Uh, Troy, Kansas State is the interesting one here. I mean, Troy, people don't realize this. Troy, I think they may have as many players in the NFL as Kansas State. Let's just be clear. Yeah. So the, the reality of it is – uh, we need to see this Kansas State team for the first time this year play a team that has some – they're not necessarily similarly talented in the college level, but they, they've got some talent, right? They're not void of it. Um, what are you thinking the, of that one, of the Wildcats playing Troy? Well, and if you'll remember, Kansas State hosted Tulane early yep. last year. And before we knew Tulane was good, Tulane went in there and beat K-State 17-10. to 10. And – we weren't sure what it meant, and we found out later it meant Tulane was really good, and uh, they were a comparable team to Kansas State. I don't expect something similar with Troy, but it's within the realm of possibility. I mean, Troy is one of the better G5 uh, schools out there, and it could be competitive. I just think Kansas State's offense is going to be operating at a much higher level in September than most every other team's offense in college football right now. And, and that includes Texas and Alabama, probably. Uh, I think they have some guys and some experience, and they know exactly how they want to play. So I expect some points in that game. Uh, you, you wouldn't expect that with K-State-Troy if you just sort of imagine the matchup. But I, I think those two teams are going to be – I think it's going to be a more entertaining game than maybe people think. Nebraska-Colorado, Matt Rule uh, looking for his first win as a Nebraska head coach, lost to Minnesota last week. Colorado, uh, after their uh, great win in Fort Worth over TCU, uh, that game, 11 o'clock game, is on Fox. Uh, Colorado is the media, media darling of the world right now, uh, frankly. They really are. Uh, your thoughts on Nebraska, Colorado. Colorado 
this is one I would say that Matt Rule will try to bully ball you a little bit that Sonny Dykes did not try to do. So mm-hmm. what what, what yeah. are your thoughts? So I live at the, near the epicenter of the Colorado hype, Bobby. It's right <laughs> up the road, Boulder. And there's a bunch of uh, long-haired kids playing hacky sack who suddenly are passionate football fans. And uh, they're on the hype train. Dion has got everybody fired up. And uh, look, Matt Rule has no other alternative but to bleed the clock, play bully ball, and try to limit the number of possessions in this game. Because Colorado's front-line, top-line talent on offense, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter when he's playing, uh, Horn, these are very capable, fast football players, as we saw against TCU. And I think they have a good offensive coordinator. I really like Sean Lewis. So uh, Nebraska's got to hit him in the mouth. This has got to look like circa 1990s Nebraska and their game plan. And Jeff Sims, frankly, is a turnover factory. So you cannot put the game in his hands other than running the ball. They don't have the dudes. I, I, I'm, Colorado may not either. But Nebraska is just so different talent-wise than back in – I mean, it's just – it's almost a shame a little bit because I, I I did like that program all through the 80s and 90s, and I thought they were just a tremendous program, and where it's fallen has is, is not been good. All right, uh, the 2.30 matchups, A&M goes to Miami. Last year, the Aggies had problems, uh, frankly, with the Hurricanes. Uh, Ole Miss at Tulane is the only 2.30 matchup that uh, – uh, showcases two ranked teams, two top 25 teams, and Iowa goes to Iowa State. Uh, what is – what is – what is – they're on Fox. I don't even know what to make of A&M at Miami. What, what are yeah. your thoughts? Connor Wegman apparently looked terrific uh, last week. We'll see if he's the answer at quarterback for the Aggies. Yeah, I look, I think both Miami and Texas A&M showed improvement on offense, which is a big deal in their openers. Uh, they certainly have the potential – Probably the two most underachieving teams in college football last year. So, I mean, Miami straight up quit down the end of the, the, the last course of the season. And AM was sort of hot and cold. You know, they tried when they played at home. They've lost, I believe, six road games in a row, Bobby. Wow. So they have got it, they've got to get this, they've got to get this win. And I think, you know, if they don't, that Petrino Fisher relationship some tensions could bubble to the surface about philosophy and what they want to do. Uh, that said, I like Connor Wegman. I like, I like A&M's frontline starters on both sides of the ball. I don't know if they have a lot of depth, but I, I don't know what to make of that game either. I think it's going to be very competitive. And I think there's some more urgency to this game than you'd anticipate from a typical non-con. Yeah. We'll see a little bit what A&M really has. I think in this one, because Miami will at least have pieces that can compete with A&M, right? And so is A&M a better team this year than they were a year ago? All right, Iowa at Iowa State. Uh, it's the DraftKings Bowl. Um, it's on Fox. I'm sure Fox is going to, I think if they haven't sold the ads to DraftKings, they probably should by now. Uh, your thoughts on this one? The danger in handicapping this game, Bobby, is what if both teams <laughs> get away to timeout? The danger in handicapping this game. Good one, Paul. Just if people don't realize that Iowa and Iowa State, Iowa State in particular, has had some guys uh, that have been uh, ruled out uh, because of uh, dr- uh, betting on uh, college football games. Go ahead. Yeah. Paul. So look, Iowa State is breaking in a new quarterback, uh, Rocco Becht. 
son of Anthony Becht, former tight end for the, the New York Jets for a long time. And uh, Rocco was okay in his debut. They certainly didn't allow him to lose the game. Mostly Iowa State took care of business with two long interception returns, one of them for a touchdown against Northern Iowa. And then they just sort of sat on their lead and, and played defense, which they still have. So Iowa has a defense, which they always have. And they struggled on offense against a bad Utah State team. So this is going to be ugly, uh, grotesque football. And if you're into that, you absolutely have to tune in because, you know, every single – it's almost like football from the 1980s, early 80s, Bobby, where when Texas would get on the other team's side of the field, like there was real tension. Like you know, it's like soccer. You know, the ball gets into like a scoring area. Everyone stands up at the anticipation of a, of a rare goal. It's kind of like that for Iowa, Iowa State. So if one team breaks the 40-yard line, you're you're standing up and, you know, on the edge of your seat uh, just wondering what, you know, could you kick a field goal, right? So I, I think it's going to be uh, entertaining. You probably want to you probably want to apportion watching that game in, in little dollops so you don't get fully depressed about offense. I, I just think the first one to 10 wins. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, there's the possibility of a, like a 13 to 7 blowout, though, Bobby. Don't, I, don't, don't overlook that. I don't know if you remember this, but back in the 80s, uh, Iowa used to play all these dramatically close games. Hayden Fry was the head coach. The, the coordinators at Iowa at that time were Bill Snyder for offense. So, you know, he turtled a lot on offense, uh, particularly whenever he, they had a lead. He didn't do anything that would put the ball in jeopardy. And then on defense was Barry Alvarez. And so they had two really great coordinators back then, and they would literally try to beat teams 10 to 9. I mean, that, that was hilarious. Right, let, let's talk about Ole Miss Tulane, Paul. Um, what are your thoughts on that one for uh, Willie Fritz at uh, at Tulane and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss? This is in New Orleans, by the way, which yep. is an interesting game. Yeah, I still think there'll probably be more Ole Miss fans in those stands. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I know Ole Miss fans, they don't like to pass up an opportunity to go to New Orleans. So that'll be interesting. Uh, look, Tulane was spectacular last year. They did still lose a lot. Um, to Jay Spears, the outstanding running back, both of their top receivers. They lost some key guys in their linebacker core who really held together that defense. That said, they went and beat, uh, you know, they beat Southern Alabama in their opener when Southern Alabama is a little bit better team than probably the casual fan knows. Uh, Ole Miss destroyed Mercer, uh, put 73 on them. And, uh, you know, that was pretty impressive. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be quietly one of the better games on the slate. I love Tulane's quarterback, Michael Pratt. Uh, just tough guy, winner, good thrower. I mean, you know, I think he's an NFL quarterback. Um, probably not an elite guy, but more of a steady guy. Uh, I like I like this matchup. I think Ole Miss could be good. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. There's some stuff that I like about how they debuted, and they still haven't been able to incorporate some of their best players. They got Zachary Franklin from UTSA, the star receiver, uh, in the portal in the offseason. He's still out. He didn't play last week. Uh, I don't know if he's playing this week, but they, they're firing on all cylinders, and they've still got some dry powder. Uh, so Ole Miss, depending on how this game goes, they might announce themselves as sort of the dark, dark horse SEC West contender. Who knows? Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, I think Pratt at Tulane, he reminds me a little, and this is going to – reminds me a little of Sam Elliott. Absolutely. Uh, that's kind of who he is. A blood and guts quarterback is what he is. You know what I mean? Blood and guts with some talent. And yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not – you know, so. A, a slightly uh, upgraded version maybe is Riley Leonard at Duke. Kind of the same guys. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of those guys in college football, and you, you love to have them on your team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The next half, the next game goes into that five, six o'clock window. Obviously, it's uh, the showcase game is Texas at Bama, uh, the Longhorns heading to uh, Tuscaloosa. But a couple of other ones to note. At five o'clock, OU hosts SMU. Uh, it's on ESPN Plus, so people won't necessarily be able to watch it at the tailgate, et cetera, unless they have a hookup. And then UCF, this is an interesting one. Central Florida, who blew out Kent State, they go to Boise. That game's at six on FS1. People won't necessarily be watching that with the Texas game on. And then Oregon at Texas Tech at six on Fox. The Texas game, obviously, on ESPN. Let's talk a little bit about SMU-OU first, because I think the Sooners had a nice debut, right, in Brent Venable's second year as head coach. SMU is with Rhett Lashley now, and his – I think second year as head coach. Um, it's interesting because SMU just got the bid to the ACC. This is a big game for them, right? Um, the bid where you pay zero dollars and you win the yeah, prize. Yes, yes. Uh, well, the SMU money donors they they ponied up uh, again. They ponied up. Yeah. All right. OU versus SMU. Your thoughts on that one? I we're going to find out a lot about the Big Twelve tonight. Boy, I agree. Boy, an OUSMU is going to tell me some stuff. The thing that kind of struck me was not SMU's offense last week. It was their defense. It's 31-0 at halftime. SMU was up. And they got some transfers in the portal that have changed what SMU's defense looks like. Uh, it used to be you tune into an SMU game, and they're throwing the ball around, and it's fun, and it's entertaining – and you'd see their defense, and you'd kind of shake their head and go, well, all right. Well, I kind of understand why they give up a lot of points. The guys I saw, like, look a little different, Bobby. Uh, I'm not saying, like, Duke level. When you watch Duke Clemson, we were like, whoa, I didn't know Duke had guys like that. But SMU had a few guys on their defensive line that we have not seen guys who look like that there in a while. So that's going to be interesting. And then on offense, you know, 
you have to trust that the ponies can put up points. Uh, it's, it's the Stone Age in Dallas. Preston Stone's the quarterback. Uh, we'll see. I think this game is a big deal for SMU. Probably OU, you know, obviously still has something to prove, and they're going to try to blow them out if they can. But I think this game could be competitive. It opened up at, I think, 17, and it's down to 15 and a half. So uh, Vegas certainly favoring o OU heavily, but there's been a public sentiment that maybe SMU is going to give them a football game. Oregon going to, to Texas Tech. Boy, Texas Tech would Woo! start in a loss, would start 0-2. Um, what do you think about Tech rebounding in this one and just corralling Bo Nix just enough to maybe win in Lubbock? What you, yeah, well, I, I know people were mystified about the Wyoming Tech line being only 14, right? And I think we even talked about that. Oh, you mean the Oregon Tech line? Oh, no, oh, I got it. I'm just saying Tech lost to Wyoming. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. And so I said, hey, in Laramie, you got to worry about altitude and defense. And that's what hit Tech. I mean, they got they got out gutted. We talked about gutty quarterbacks. Andrew Peasley for Wyoming, who Texas fans will see soon at DKR. He's all blood and guts and, and not a ton of talent. So uh, put, a, put a bookmark on that one. As far as Oregon, Texas Tech, it's weird to be in the second game of the season, Bobby, and have a back against the wall, this is our season kind of game. I feel like it's that for Texas Tech. With all of Joey McGuire's bluster and how he's appealed to that Tech fan base and their sense of, I don't know, grievance or whatever it is they have. Uh, if they get embarrassed up at Wyoming and then they lose at home, when they really sell out and, and try to, they understand the importance of this game and they're sitting at 0 and 2. I can't like the psychology of that football team where a lot of their play and performance is built up on confidence and bravado. And I'm, I'm just very curious to see how that goes. So I expect tech to play their absolute hardest. And I, I hope Oregon understands that the team they, that they saw on film against Wyoming is not the team they're going to play in Lubbock. Hey, before we get to these last games, can you tell our folks about our sponsor, uh, Gabe Winslow? I know a guy who will not be in Lubbock because he's going to be in Tuscaloosa, and that's Gabe Winslow. Uh, he's the best mortgage guy on the planet. He's really great at what he does. 832-557-1095. Give him a call. Get a prequel. Uh, talk to him about your financial situation. I know every, not everyone has clean W-2 income, you know, easy credit, all that kind of stuff. Some people have their own job, own their own companies, and you don't have, ironically enough, you could be very successful and not qualify easily for a mortgage. The quality of your mortgage guy will play a huge role in determining the kind of rate and the kind of service that you get as one of these one-offs that our current system doesn't always provide for. So give Gabe a call, find out why and how he can help you. 832-557-1095. All right. Thanks, Paul. All right. Going out West for the after, not, after dark games. Here's the slate. Stanford at USC. A, a, Oklahoma State goes to Arizona State. That's an yeah. interesting one. The Cowboys heading to, to uh, uh, Tempe. But this is the one that get, grabbed yours and I's attention because of the just the strangeness of it all. <laughs> Auburn, deep south Alabama, goes to Cal up on the hill uh, in Berkeley. What are your thoughts on, on uh, those three games? C Caleb Williams, clearly the Heisman favorite again this year, even though people are going to mention Shadur Sanders. And that, I mean, Williams is going to be the guy, I think. What are your thoughts on those three games? 
Cal and Auburn, I think those fan bases are going to be remarkably similar and get along <laughs> perfectly. I just – There I, may be more Auburn students at that game than Cal students. It, it is one of the funniest matchups I've ever seen, and it's one of the things I love about college football because what, what, a, what a culture clash, right, in every sense. And uh, you got Hugh Freeze – who he's out there running up the score on UMass late in the game, running tempo, uh, just doing Hugh Freeze stuff. You know, Auburn, they're, they got the printing presses rolling for NIL. They're going to have a good recruiting class. They're, they're weaponized again, Bobby. They're fired up, and they're going to travel out to Cal. And, uh, you know, Cal went on the road at North Texas, of all places, and took care of business last week. So they, they may have a little bit of a pulse, and I think this could be an interesting football game. Uh, but the culture clash aspects of it, I find absolutely hilarious. Uh, imagining Auburn fans staying in San Francisco and taking Bart, on, you know, over to, to go to the game and going through Oakland and Berkeley. I just, it's, I just, I'm just tickled at all of it, and uh, I can't wait for that game. All right, Paul. Uh, ASU, Oklahoma State. That that one interests you at all? I mean, not really. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm interested in that Oklahoma State is is relevant to the Big 12 race. Uh, I guess ASU has what Jalen Rashada. Yeah, the new the 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 freshman quarterback that originally signed with Florida, and then because of a fallen through NIL deal, uh, ended up at Arizona State. He's the six million dollar man. So he's going to be starting, and then uh, you got Kenny Dillingham coordinating. He's the head coach and also coordinating that offense. That's interesting. Arizona State's not very good though. Uh, Oklahoma State didn't look very good last week. So we'll see what they've got going. Uh, they may have a little bit of a quarterback controversy brewing there. So I'm kind of curious to see who, who the quarterback is uh, for Oklahoma State. I'll be honest, I, I don't think I'll watch much of that game. What about you? I, I'm definitely not going to watch that game because I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa, hopefully doing the post-game show at some point there. Uh, you know, that's, that's the game plan for me. Uh, the question I have here, tex- uh, circling back to Texas and Bama, your your last second here. It's Saturday morning. Game starts in uh, roughly twelve hours now. Uh, your last thoughts on this game and where you see it going? Your final picks, I guess, Paul. I'm really excited. Uh, I had to make picks for Inside Texas, and uh, you guys should subscribe and find out what they are. Bobby, what do they need to enter in as a code? <laughs> Let's do it now. I was going to do it at the end. Uh, yeah, it's promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23 right now for your latest on InsideTexas.com. Uh, $1 for just two months or for two months of coverage. That's $1 for two months. We've never done this kind of uh, pricing before, uh, but please give it a try. You have to select the monthly offer to get that. I went 2017 Alabama. I, I think that I think the Crimson Tide, if it weren't at Bryant Denny this year, and this game were played in Austin, I might I, – that, that is just a big thing for me, Paul. Big, big thing that I think is going to be potentially the big difference uh, for the Longhorns. Yeah, I think the crowd can be disruptive. And I, I was listening to a Bama guy who said, you know, we've gotten so used to winning – that we're a little spoiled and there's really only one or two games a year where we get legitimately fired up and excited because everything is all sort of surgical. And he said, I got to tell you, we want to play cool and all this, but we're fired up. Texas is coming and uh, we're going to bring it. 
And, uh, you know, Texas needs to be prepared for that. You know, Alabama, uh, they've had a lot of success, but they are legitimately excited about this, this game. And that Alabama team has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They feel like they want to prove something. So I think it's a daunting task for Texas. But if Texas wins this game, we're going to have some real interesting stuff to talk about in that post game and in shows thereafter, Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. We'll also have a watch along later today too. Uh, watch with us hosted by Aaron Hogan uh, during the game. If you want to turn down the TV, the announcers getting you annoyed uh, and listen to Aaron, Rod Babers, Jerry Hamilton, uh, and some other guys from inside Texas. Uh, make sure you do that here on Texas football as well. All right, Paul, uh, next time uh, a week from now, when we get back together for this, the Longhorns will be hosting Wyoming and the Longhorns will be either one in, or either two and zero oh, and ranked in t- inside the top seven or so in the country, or they'll be one and one licking their wounds from a, uh, Alabama loss. We'll see which one it is uh, for Paul Wadlington of inside Texas. I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of on Texas football.